I'm here with Cindy Verbalin and Ray Carr, and we're talking about the wonderful Mary Martin. What else about Mary, really looking back on things that you admire the most about her? I admire her work ethic. Mary worked so hard. At one point in the 1960s, she had to be hospitalized. She was so exhausted from the work she was doing, they were afraid she was gonna die. And they noticed all day long, her life signs were barely there. Till it got to be about six o'clock. And as it was reaching the hour where Mary would normally have begun to get ready for her show, bring up her energy, get into makeup, get into costume for an 8.30 curtain, all of a sudden, her life signs rose up. Her body became part of her career. Her life signs became part of her career because she was so intent on constantly performing and having the theatrical life. I admire that tremendously. I admire her ambition. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I was a stone's throw from Broadway. She was born in Weatherford, Texas. And she managed to get from Texas to Broadway. That's, that's, that's a miracle. A miracle of God-given talent and burning ambition. And turning to the right people to help her. And the other thing I think I admire about her is her wisdom. Uh, Mary soft-pedaled everything. Talk to Richard. Talk to Richard. Talk to Richard. But Mary knew exactly what she was doing. In a little while, I'm going to tell you about how I first met Mary and the advice she gave to me. I think that's what I admire about her the most. She was so wise. I feel the same way about Carol Channing. So wise. If you went to Carol with a problem, Carol knew an answer. If you went to Mary with a theatrical problem, Mary had a good answer and generously offered it. Uh, you, you can't, I guess you can admire someone's God-given talent. I guess I admire what Mary did with it. Is there anything Mary didn't do that she wanted to do? There were, there were productions mounted that Mary toured in that never hit Broadway. Unlike Merman, who never had a flop, Mary had some flops. Uh, there, was one or, there were one or two shows in the 40s that never got to New York. There was that Noel Coward show that didn't do so well in England uh, in, the, in the 60s after the next big show she does. Uh, it was a flop. And uh, Mary had two more flops after that. Uh, unlike Ethel Merman, Mary's career kind of you know, had its ups and its downs, its highs and its lows. It never stopped her. For everybody in show business, having a flop not being the success she thought it would be. It's part of the business. Um, but yeah, there were things, she, and she, she wanted to make movies, it just she wasn't very good at them. Yeah. And she wasn't, I want to say this correctly. She was very good at the, at the theatrical life, but she wasn't necessarily very good at the exigencies of real life. Richard kept her so uh, almost like wraps and cotton 
so that she could be Mary Martin. And her father kind of did the same thing when Mary was young. Took on all the responsibilities so that Mary could just do what Mary does. And once Richard died, Mary had a very, very hard time making decisions, giving her all. And in fact, late in her career, Mary developed terrible stage fright. So uh, she was not at her best quite often, hmm. but she was in there pitching. Yeah, very interesting. Did Mary have any particular um, things that she would not eat or eat before a performance to give her energy or maybe just for psychological reasons? She did what Merman did. You know, these, these ladies ate a lot of protein to give them energy. They ate greens to give them vitamins and minerals. Uh, when one is performing in eight shows a week, uh, Ethel used to refer to it as taking a veil. You become like a nun. You, you have blinders on. All you can do is that show. And you save all of your energy for that show. And you must get your rest. You know, Mary wouldn't even talk till one o'clock in the afternoon. You save your voice for the show. You save your energy for the show. When you're a star of this show, everything rests on your shoulders. There's no getting around that. And if you don't have the energy or the voice to, to fulfill your requirements, oh, that's terrible. That's not a, it's a big show business no-no. So the real professionals, while you're in a show, there's no big social life. Uh, maybe after the show, you go out to eat someplace, but you're not going shopping. You're not going to museums. You're not, you're not going out all night drinking. You can't. You can't do that and get up the next day and be at your best. Right. Richard gave Mary a life and a structure that she could live every day like that. Uh, that that's the discipline of that was ingrained in Mary. And she lived a very disciplined life because of it. It was almost like military in a sense. In a way, in a way. You, you had to cut away anything that wasn't the mission. You had to put your entire focus on the mission. You train for the mission and then you see it all the way through. That's the mark of a profession. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very interesting. Um, when, when it was all said and done near the end of her life, did she ever reflect, uh, how did she feel? Was she satisfied with what she had done or do, were there a lot of regrets? I think she regretted Richard's passing. Um, you know, there's a lot more career here after what we're talking about. Um, yeah. If we encapsulated what's, what's coming up from Mary, uh, more television work. She toured again in Annie Get Your Gun and did a television version of it with John Raitt. Then she did The Sound of Music. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a funny story. I will answer your question in a second. So she was in The Sound of Music while they were rehearsing for the, the, the 1960 version of Peter Pan. And of course, the original kids had all gotten to be too old. So they brought in a whole new cast behind her. And they allowed her to rehearse in the Broadway theater directly opposite where Sound of Music was on, so as not to take up too much of her energy. And there was a new guy flying her. The original guy wasn't there. 
And as she was showing my children how to fly, how to be graceful on the wire and get where you have to go, she had done it enough to know that, wait a minute, something's wrong here. She was swinging wildly back and forth. And she knew, uh-oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be smacked up against the proscenium march here in a second. I better do something. And she wanted to protect her face, her head, her organs. So what she did was she put her arm out with her elbow against her mm-hmm. arm so that when she hit, she hit with her elbow. Ow. What had happened was the new guy flying her, she was so convincing. He was watching her and forgot that he was flying her. He thought oh. he was her own. Oh my. It became Peter Pandora. And they brought her down. Her arm was put in a cast. It took like three quarts of fluid out of her arm. So she did the sound of music with her arm in a cast. When the cast was be able to take off, she had to come back. A, she had to face the flying again. She didn't want to become afraid of flying. And they had a show to do. And she gets up there. They wanted to fire the guy who flew her. And Mary said, no, don't fire him. He's the one person I know will never do this to me again. Now I can trust. I'll never have this problem because this guy won't <laughs> ever do this again. Yeah. <clears throat> gets up there yeah. and starts to fly. And where she hit the proscenium, they had nailed up a mattress. Huh. The kind Mary Martin slapped here. Wow. <laughs> That's good. So she does, of course, the sound of music is this enormous hit. And again, she's playing a young Catholic postulate that should have been 20 years old. And Mary, by this time, is pushing 50. But that's what Mary did. Uh, then she did a musical called Jenny. That was not a hit. Uh, there was a pause in her career there. Richard was drinking too much and their personal life is getting a little unhappy. So Mary agreed to go to London via the Middle East and the Far East. The State Department sent Mary to Japan to open in an international tour of Hello Dolly. She played Dolly in Japan for a long stint. Then she was sent to Vietnam and played Hello Dolly for our fighting men who were there in Vietnam at the time. Finally bringing that show into London. So, so Mary became the third Dolly. Carol on Broadway first, my dear friend Carol Cook in Australia, and then Mary Martin in London. And Mary was on that show for quite a while and didn't see a whole lot of Richard because Richard was in rehab. Their lives are kind of spinning out of control a little bit. Mary often soft-pedaled this part of their lives, but it harmed Mary a lot. Without Richard, she was lost. Mary was gaining and losing weight. She was having trouble sleeping. Her voice was weak. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her until she was finally hospitalized and put on medications to help her. From that, they went right into I Do, I Do with Robert Preston. Another big hit for her. And it's at this point that that Richard and Mary felt that Mary's health was in jeopardy, that Richard's sobriety was in jeopardy, 
and they had bought some land in Brazil because their friends, Janet, Gator, and Adrian had bought some land in Brazil and they wanted to be near them. So, so Richard and Mary built this estate in Brazil and retired there. And for the next three or four years, Mary opened a little dress shop, ran the shop, they built buildings on their property. This is where they spent their energies. Unfortunately, Richard got pneumonia and they could not save him and died. And Mary came back to the United States, not having worked in years, and was at sea. Without Richard, she didn't know how to function from day to day. She had um, done one or two charity things where she sang a song and not in particularly good voice. And really it was up till 1977 before she really worked again. That's where she and Ethel did a one night stand on Broadway mm-hmm. and did this wonderful long concert. We, we, we've already discussed this right. uh, on our show about Ethel Merman. But Mary was not wonderful then. Um, her voice was strained. The, the big notes at the end of her songs were forced and not very good. It's one of the reasons why the show was never taped and why they didn't tour. Mary really felt that her voice wasn't up to a whole concert like that. And for the rest of Mary's life, she could do a song or two, but she couldn't do whole evenings of music. Gosh, I'm having a good time talking with Ray and Cindy about my friend, Mary Martin. I'm here with Cindy Verbalin and Ray Carr, and we're talking about the wonderful Mary Martin. With the success of that show, Mary came back to Broadway in a play with no music called Do You Turn Somersaults? And that's where I met Mary. The show opened in those days under the worst possible circumstances, a blizzard in a newspaper strike. Oh boy. Nobody knew the show was in town. Mm-hmm. And if you did, you couldn't get there because it was a huge blizzard. Yeah. And I got tickets for closing. There were maybe 25 people in the audience. Mary came on the loudspeaker and asked everybody to come sit down front so she could play just a minute. The play would have run, I think. It was a charming play. And Mary was wonderful in it. She gave her all for those 25 people. And I had recently auditioned in that theater for a Broadway show. I knew how to get backstage from the audience. And I I was with my friend, David Little, who was a fairly well-known cabaret performer and off-Broadway performer. And we went backstage to see her. Dolores Gray was there ahead of us, wishing Mary well. And Mary came to greet us like, okay, I don't know who you are, but you're somebody because you got back here. And I said, Mary, don't try, don't, don't, don't try to figure out who we are. We're just two of Peter Pan's lost boys who came to see you in a blizzard. Hmm. And she said, oh, my darlings, you came out here just to see Peter? And we said, yeah. She said, don't go away, stay here. And she slammed the door in our faces, quite frankly. And I thought, yeah. There's a bad entrance to this room and we're never going to see her again. And almost half an hour went by. 
And there must have been a back door because Mary opened the door, her stage makeup was off, her street makeup was on, she was in a lovely hostess gown, there were tea and cookies and crumpets on silver trays with uh, lace boilies <laughs> on them. She'd made food for us. She brought in refreshments for us. And there were only two chairs to sit. I literally sat at Mary's feet and hmm. for two hours, she'd just done two and a half hours on Broadway for two hours. She let me sit at her feet, sipping tea, eating cookies, asking her any questions I want. Wow. That was the beginning of our friendship. You asked a question a little while ago about had she done everything she wanted to do? Yes. I asked Mary about that. And she said, Jeff, this is the difference between Ethel and me. Ethel meaning Marvin. Ethel goes out, she does these wonderful concerts all over the country with Philharmonics and symphonies. And she sings all those wonderful songs she made for us. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sing the same old songs over and over again. I don't want to go back and play the old parts I used to play. I want to do something new creatively. I want to sing new songs. I want to play new parts. I want to do things in a career I haven't done before to stay creatively alive. She said, Jeff, while it's great to rest on your laurels and it's great to have greatest hits, but after a while, you become only a representation of a memory. You're not current. She wanted to stay current. It didn't really work out for her. Do You Turn Somersaults was her last Broadway show. Ethel and Mary had become very close in the late 70s. And people were dying for them to work together. So I, I know for certain one of the things pitched at them was a musical version of Arsenic and Old Lace with Ethel and Mary playing the two old ants. Oh, wow. And then legends happened. And unfortunately, Ethel got a brain tumor. And they put it on hold, hoping she'd survive, but she did not. So eventually, this show called Legends ended up being Mary Martin and my friend, Carol Chang. And it toured the country for quite a while. It never came into New York. The show was, how do I put this? Not a failure, just Mary had trouble remembering lines at this point. So they put an earpiece in Mary's oh. ear where a prompter could tell her what the next lines were. If you're not in the moment, you can't play the comedy. And it was a comedy. So Carol was wonderful because she's Carol. Mary tried to be wonderful, but didn't know what was coming next. You can't be tentative like that. But the name power, Carol Channing and Mary Martin in a show together, the show sold beautifully. But they knew that if they brought this into New York, it would be a critical failure and it would never last. So they, they had a year of it. And that's really the last of Mary's big performing. She yeah, did, I saw it here. She, she did a few television things and then Mary got cancer herself and did a wonderful thing. 
she knew she had cancer. She pretty much knew she wasn't going to survive. So she went, because Mary was living in Palm Springs by that. I should also mention, I guess, that Mary spent a, a large part of the late 70s and early 80s hosting Over Easy on PBS. So she was interviewing other people who were seniors who were still active in their own lives. And she loved doing that show. That brought her to San Francisco for a while. And then she moved down near me where I live now. And uh, Mary went to London and threw parties and said goodbye to all of her English friends and fans so they can remember her being healthy and alive. She went to New York and did the same thing. And then came out here to finish her life off. Hmm. Will she be remembered the way she deserves to be remembered by most people? You know, that no theater? I think your question probably would be open to almost anybody in show business history. If one did not make iconic films, or if one was not in sitcoms, or television shows that are played and rerun on, whether you're watching on cable or DVD or platforms, people are forgotten. People are forgotten. My, my children and grandchildren have no idea who Al Wilson is or who Fanny Bryce is or Eddie Campbell. They, they only know Ethel Merman because the old man wrote a book about it. But uh, yeah, Mary Martin, these days is only known as Peter Pan because that performance in color on video, Mary at her best survives and people still go to it and enjoy it. But because Mary never did sitcoms, she never guest starred on any show. She didn't do any drama shows. Mary did one dramatic TV movie and it's not available on DVD and nobody sees it. Nobody even remembers it. So because of that, she's not remembered. Yes, by people like Cindy who love the theater, she's remembered. By Broadway Ikes, she's remembered. Ethel mm -hmm. and I haven't even had a theater named after them. For years, there were rumors they were gonna name one of the Broadway theaters, the Ethel Merman Mary Martin Theater, the Merman and Martin Theater. It's never happened, never happened. So, her legacy, even though people may not know it's Mary, all the people who sing her songs, every time someone sings Speak Low, or My Heart Belongs to Daddy, or The Sound of Music, or My Favorite Things Every Christmas, she lives that way because we wouldn't know these songs were it not for Mary introducing them. Mm -hmm. I think Mary holds a high bar of professionalism. Again, inside the business, if you're thought to be as professional as Mary Mom, you've done very, very well. Wow, well said. So even at her death, Mary was a total pro. The thoughtfulness of making sure that she said goodbye to everybody, that nobody thought of her as being this sick person, but that was not the memory she was leaving. She was, she was Peter Pan right to the end. You know, Peter Pan really was her favorite part. She felt it was the one that most encapsulated her energy, 
who she felt she was as a person. Uh, Mary's legacy is large. Tony Awards for South Pacific and for uh, The Sound of Music. And here we are talking about her, spending an hour talking about this wonderful lady and her great, great talent. So yes, perhaps she does not burn as brightly as some other stars might of her generation, but she deserves to be remembered. And in a way, it's almost good. As Mary said to me, she did not want to be a flicker of nostalgia. She wanted to be right in there pitching. And I think that's the way we can remember Mary, a professional who had the highest bar to reach and reached it, a professionalism and talent and never let herself get mired in nostalgia and being a has-been. She was always right there in the moment being the great Mary Martin. Gosh, I'm having a good time talking with Ray and Cindy about my friend Mary Martin. <laughs>